How are you doing today? Looking pretty good? Yeah? If you don't have an outline, you'll uh, want to catch one from uh, ushers that make sure you have one. There's some resources there that I won't be talking directly about in the talk today. You'll want to take those home with you. Hey, a little poll here. Get your hands ready. How many of you are thrilled that fall has come? Thank God for rain and clouds and dark mornings. Yeah. How many of you join me in my jealousy that Anne gets to go with her mom to Yuma, Arizona this week? And yeah, about a 50-50 split here. Yeah. So uh, the half of you that are happy, be, be, be nice and happy enough for me this winter. I want you to know the other Jared has now arrived officially. <laughs> from time to time, I may be a little bit less pleasant than usual. Those of you that know me well say, how could that possibly be? But I'll <laughs> test that this year. Hey, uh, we're talking about purpose today, uh, part one of two weeks. And uh, I discovered two things about myself this week. Number one, I am no good at construction of any sort. Number two, I need to hire professionals to put anything together in my house or car. That's what I learned. Now, Anne was very kind. She uh, mentioned that she was up on the roof. By the way, if you want to help us with the roof, go ahead and volunteer to replace it this year, uh, the summer or winter. That would be fine. And if you don't have that in your generosity gift, at least would you buy Anne a bigger squeegee? I mean, really, <laughs> really. Oh, man. You noticed that it was Anne on the roof and not me? You noticed that? Yeah, you noticed that. Yeah. Oh, there's reasons for that. It wasn't just because I was doing a little wedding and came home from that. It's just that I, I'm just no good at that. Um, Tom Taylor, you, you know that. You, you rescued Anne recently. Um, I, I, every 10 years, I try to fix something. And I'm reminded that I haven't gotten better in my old age. I, I, uh, we had uh, Tony Rose come and do some uh, sheetrock repair for us. And then uh, Mitch uh, Candido came and uh, his crew, and they professionally painted the inside of our house. We already had the roof done, the summers Ann mentioned. And, uh, and now we're having people do carpet and tile. And for the, those folks to come, we had to remove the washer and the dryer. You know how this works? And so removing the washer, should this be a problem? It was a problem. So uh, the, the exit uh, discharge hose, see, I, I know what it's called, a discharge hose, uh, was held in place with a zip tie. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Zip tie. Which required me taking a scissors and snipping the zip tie. Yeah, you know where this is going. <laughs> we put everything together, with new sheetrock, a new paint, a new carpet, and, and I start the, the thing, and uh, apparently I clipped the little discharge hose when I... Clip the zip tie. Water's going all over. We, we caught that. So I am, I am the good fix-it man. I went to Home Depot, and I, I got a replacement hose, and I put that on, and I put it all together, and I started a loan of laundry. Credit for that? Well, thank you. And I left. I left. Anne's texting, calling. I'm in an appointment. I, I'm not disturbable. Uh, Anne finds that she's downstairs in the kitchen in the living room, and that there's a cascade of water coming down from upstairs down into our living room, and she runs across the street to Windermere Realty, where Tom is, and Tom comes running over, and the two of them start fixing this mess. Well, needless to say, you know, our, our friends come back to our house to fix up the repair, but not after I did the smart thing first, which was to hire the plumber to come. And for $250, he did confirm that I had installed the discharge hose wrong. And he put it on correctly. 
That's good work if you can get it. That's really good work. Well, we're talking about purpose today, and uh, you know what I'm not good for. Really, really, my prayer and my hope for you is that you do discover what your purpose is, what you're good at, how God wired you, and what he's called you to do, and how he's created you so that you can be a benefit to others and respond to him well in love. Here's what Psalm 139 says. Follow along. For you created me, God, my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. What a braggart. God, you did good. You made me. I am awesome from start to finish, and do I ever know it? Yeah, that's what it sounds like, right? (laughs) Maybe some of you go that direction, maybe. Maybe some of us are a little full of ourselves. But that's not my usual experience with friends. Usually we go the other direction. God, I believe what you said. You made me wonderful, but... And I'd like to get rid of some of those buts today. You made me wonderful, but. And we begin to fill in the damage that's in our life, often from circumstances that we didn't control, sometimes from circumstances that we did choose on ourselves. But here's the deal. God created you for a reason, including all of who you are and where you've been. And that reason for purposes to bless the world around you. In a study of terminal patients in a hospital, they were asked to complete the sentence, I wish I had. And the top three responses were, I wish I had lived my own life. I wish I had discovered my purpose earlier. I wish I had taken more risks. I think today in this talk from the Bible, we're going to kind of tackle each of those three a little bit. We first of all discover three things from the verses we read in Psalm 139. Number one is it's okay to be you. It really is. I was at a pastor's conference recently and I went to a workshop because I was interested in the topic. It was a panel of four men and women representing three generations. The panel was asked a question to respond to, and they responded. And after a few questions, it was opened up for we participants to ask questions or to make comments. And I didn't say anything during the time. I was grateful for everyone's participation. But I left saying to myself, I don't even think like those people think. I do not even frame how we do church and church leadership in the way those people frame church and church leadership. I am weird. That's what I said to myself. Now, some of you are relieved because you all know that I'm weird. And the fact that I now know it is something of a relief for you. It doesn't improve me, but at least it lets you know we're on the same page. Yeah. Maybe you've had from time to time those thoughts. I really am different. What I bring to this party is something that nobody else brings. And maybe your weirdness is not so much strange as it is different. 
Because as you discover your purpose, you need to be distinct from the rest of us. Otherwise, we're duplicates. First thing I learned is it's okay to to be you. Second thing is this, figuring out you is not easy. And so we study ourselves, we study God's word, we talk with other people to discover how God has wired us. Uh, We call him St. Augustine. Uh, In 500 AD, he wrote the book called Confessions. It's still in print and it's famous. And in Confessions, Augustine says, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self. In one of his famous prayers, he begins it by praying, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I might know you. Now, he believed in the Imago Dei. We're made in the image of God. And part of what God has revealed of himself is the distinctive, of this wonderful, fearful creation that he has made in you. The third thing we discover from Psalm 139 is that we are shaped for purpose. For purpose in the world around you, your family, your church, your friends, your work, your school, and beyond. But you might also feel like you're damaged goods. You think back to that set of childhood experiences or others created an environment for you or caused things to happen to you in life that horribly damaged and left scars that remain today. Some of you think about an affair or affairs that you've had or previous marriages that have ended badly or addictions that you struggle with or if the stats are correct, the 80 plus percent of men and 40 percent plus of women who dip into and out of pornography and struggling their way forward to some kind of success or bankruptcies or financial disasters that you've experienced. We all feel like damaged goods because life has damaged all of us. We learn from the Psalms that regardless of our experience, God has shaped us for purpose. So what is purpose? Well, the purpose of everything determines its nature, its design, its features. And since the creator is a God of purpose, he had your purpose in mind when he designed you. So he designed you with intentionality and with meaningfulness. So discovering who you are is a key to discovering your God-given purpose because God never wastes anything. So your gifts and your talents and your unique experiences together mold into, merge into what God has made who you are. And understanding these factors will help you on your way toward discovering God's purpose for you. Many of you are likely familiar with the name Rick Warren. How many of you are familiar with that name? And many of you likely have read uh, uh, a book that he wrote called Purpose Driven Life. That book today is the number one bestseller in the world of nonfiction books, second only to the Bible. Uh, I had an opportunity to meet Rick one time. He was an influence in my life, as he has been in many of yours. I was doing some training for his uh, leaders of his Fellowship of Churches Southern Baptist Convention in L.A., and during the second week of uh, the second day of that training, 
uh, Rick came, and during a break, he came up and introduced himself. And I did what you would do with someone who you respect and has had an influence indirectly in your life. And I uh, thanked him for uh, his contributions and told him how helpful it had been to me and what a pleasure it was to meet him. And uh, Rick, in his uh, wonderful, uh, humorous, and uh, humble style, uh, lifted his head back with a smile and a laugh, and he said, well, now you've met me. Pretty unimpressive, aren't I? Yeah, (laughs) wonderful guy. In the book, Purpose Driven Life, some of you remember that he gave us an acronym, it's SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E, and it describes a very helpful pathway that I'd like to talk through with you today. I think it might be helpful for you as well. First of all, the 30,000-foot flyover, SHAPE, these five ways that God has shaped you. Number one, spiritual gifts, gifts to be of service to others, and ages for heart. Your heart determines what you do and what you say and why you feel the way you do. And A is for abilities. These are the natural talents that God has given each of us and skills that we learn across a lifetime. And P is for personality. Your personality affects the way that you use your gifts and your talents. And fifth, experiences. The six common experiences that influence your service to others. So let's unpack those each just a bit, starting with spiritual gifts. Now, right away, we may have some anxiety that begins to rise for some of you because uh, this is where things can get weird, right? And we promise to try to not do church too weird, but most of us have heard stories or experienced some things from time to time that might have been that way. Let me kind of de-weird spiritual gifts. We call these supernatural, right? So there's natural the tangible world that we can understand through mathematical formulas or empirical data and research. We see it, we touch it, we feel it, the natural world. And then there's a spiritual world, which is just as real, if not more real, in terms of its longevity, eternally. So both worlds are just as real. What is the supernatural? It is the natural on steroids. It is supernatural. It is very natural. It is God bringing the naturalness of the spiritual world to bear on the naturalness of our material world. It is very, very natural from God's point of view. And he wants to take his very abilities and power and give you pieces of those so that when we all get together, we each contribute that piece of God power and insight that he's given to you. And we dump these gifts under the table in the middle of the room and we each unwrap and we take away the gift of God that we needed that came through you. Spiritual gifts. There's five different passages in scripture that you see on your outlines there that I've referenced and I've listed there about 22 gifts. That's homework on your own. Those aren't the only five passages. Those aren't the only gifts, they're just representative. But our question today is, how are we going to discover those gifts? I want you to notice, first of all, with me, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about those. He says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All these are at work, the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as He determined. So, how many of you are part of each one? We're all a part of this thing. 
Four of you followed me on that one. Chuck, thank you very much. I just need a little bit of love. Just a little bit of love. I'm going to keep looking to Chuck. Brenda, you can join him if you want to. A little bit of love here for the speaker. So each one. So if you are a Christ follower, the Spirit is within you, and God has given you at least one spiritual gift. He very likely has given you more than one spiritual gift. And there are many credible people who believe that instead of God gifting us with a gift, he gives you with the gift that's needed in the moment. So if Ed is with me and I have a need, and Ed is the only candidate that the Spirit might give Ed any gift of the Spirit to meet the need of the moment in Jared at that moment. But you may also discover that there are kind of tendencies toward areas of giftedness that you can. And notice why they are given. They are given for the the common good. So it's not a gift that you take home and play with. It's a gift that God has given you to benefit others in the common good. So how in the world am I going to discover my spiritual gifts, these abilities that are given by the Holy Spirit to strengthen others and to strengthen the community? Well, I have four suggestions for you. Notice them together. The first one is to experiment with them. Yeah, trial and error. You know, you're going to be bad at stuff like plumbing, but give it a shot every 10 years anyway. Here's the deal. It's easier to discover your spiritual gifts while you're doing than it is while you're thinking about them or talking about them. So try them on for size. Number two, read and study. There's lots of resources out there about spiritual gifts. Number three, uh, take a gift assessment. Uh, Ann and I and the two rooted groups that we're a part of this week and next week, uh, we're doing spiritual gifts assessments, and uh, it's, it's really uh, pretty amazing. I'll tell you in a moment what I've discovered this week about myself. Uh, number four, ask others for input. Uh, one of the things that Dan has noticed about Patty is that she really has a good grip on reality, and all Dan has to do is, Patty, can you tell me how I'm doing? And you're usually free to share that. Yes, indeed. I'm getting laughter over there. Yeah. So here's the deal. If you create a reasonably safe environment and you ask the question of other people, they probably have a pretty good handle on what you're good and not so good at. Ways to discover your spiritual gifts. Now, in this list, I did mention uh, the final ones down there, a couple of them. You can't forget about martyrdom. You're here today. If you have the gift, you haven't used it yet. This one has an expiration date on it. Uh, a one-time only use. I also have to mention celibacy. Uh, most of us don't sign up for that one. Uh, I mentioned those two because it's really hard to find a spiritual gifts analysis test that lists those two. Uh, that's because of over time, no one signed up for either of them. And I uh, want to note, note that they're there, but uh, they're, they're not some of the most popular ones in terms of choosing them. Yes. But you know how these work. She comes into your conversation and you leave it with your heart feeling lighter and your posture is a little better and your head is held a little higher and you have a renewed sense of confidence that the big God you know is likely to do a big thing in this big situation, a gift of faith. Now, it's not optimism. That's a trait. And it's not positivity. That's a part of a personality. Both of those are nice to be around, aren't they? But it's a sense beyond that that you know God has done something to lift your soul in a way that evokes greater confidence and certainty 
that he is acting and going to do good in this tough situation. A gift of faith. We know what it's like to come across him. He has a gift of encouragement. And you're engaged in the conversation. And when you leave, all of a sudden you've become like a lion in your soul. You have courage to face this thing. In courage meant it is a gift that God has given. God has given us gifts for the common good for others. How has he gifted you? Well, I have certainly discovered how God hasn't gifted me this week. I told you that I took some spiritual gifts tests, and you can't see this well, but I'll explain what two pages of charts are like. In a given area, the top line is the average of humans. The short line is Jared, (laughs) relative to an average human, which puts me in about the fifth percentile of human beings. You want to know what the gift is? Craftsmanship. (laughs) And I have to enunciate that carefully because I've been prone to slur that and put a P in it. But there's good news. I'm also lousy at helps, which means I don't offer to help you with my lack of skills. (laughs) Some people are there, aren't they? They put you in very awkward situations. Uh, Can I help you move your, your washer? No, no. Don't even go on the floor of the plumbing of our house, right? At least I don't set you up for having to awkwardly turn me down. I I can't help, and if I wanted to, I couldn't. Awesome. Well, Anne's going to be on that roof with that stupid squeegee later this week. It's kind of an embarrassing thing, I know. Let me raise a a quick danger flag before we, we move on, and it's called spiritual gift projection. When God has gifted you, it it is consuming. It's so helpful. It's so effective. You're so motivated. You're so driven. And you want other people to participate with you at that same level of ability and effectiveness and passion. And and maybe you want your church to be drawn into that cause and that passion as well. The downside of spiritual gift projection is that you want others to be the same thing as you, which means that you wouldn't be necessary. You'd be duplicated. And that others need to bring their unique contribution And so the passages that we read are very, very clear. God has chosen you, and he's gifted you in special and unique ways. And it's the diversity among us that brings the whole toward the common good. Let's take a look at letter H, heart. Notice what Paul writes in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Heart refers to your passions. It's how God has wired you. Uh, I'm going to tell a story about Anne. Is that okay with all of you? Yeah. She'd prefer that I don't, but since you all voted for the common good, Anne, here we go. Yeah. Anne has a passion of generosity. Yeah. I hesitate to share this with some of you because some of you right now are texting her to hit her up. Yeah. Yeah. 
When Ann and I, uh, we regularly tithe. We give 10% or more here to Evergreen. It's our conviction. We, we believe that that is God's, and we think the Bible is fairly clear. If you don't choose to give it, it will evaporate anyway. So even if you're not very generously motivated and just do the math, it makes sense to give and get blessed rather than to have it evaporate and go away, right? So we generally give, uh, uh, we give our tithe. Uh, leaders here at Evergreen Tithe, that's a part of the way we do life together. And in addition, like we encourage you, we give gifts as well. Gifts to individuals or gifts to organizations. So Ann and I, we have these opportunities to give, let's say it's to an organization. And so we're both praying about it. And then we come together and we're going to have this wonderful magic moment of oneness, right? Yeah, it always happens in marriage agreement. Yeah, we both heard God. Now we're going to agree. So here's the deal. So I know that I have a greedy little dark heart, right? So, uh, so I just stretch myself to the fullest extent of generosity. And I just stretch myself into it. And I think about the biggest number of dollars I can come up with. And I'm feeling really good about how big it is. And then Ann and I talk and she says, what's your number? And I give her the number and she says, that is a really good starting point. <laughs> really, really good starting point. And, and then she, I says, what was your number? And I don't even have to ask anymore. You know what it is, don't you? It is exactly twice my stretch number, exactly twice, and as a passion about generosity. Once in a while, I do make my contribution, and I say, you know, the mortgage bank wants their cut out of the paycheck too. Yeah, that's the, that's the balancing side of this thing. So the question about passion and heart is that this reflects your dreams and your desires. Your passion is what drives you. It's, it's what you deeply care about. It's who you deeply care about. It's the needs that you want to meet. It's the cause that you deeply want to conquer. To discover your passion and find the things that, find the things that fulfill you, that give you satisfaction and enjoyment. Find the change that you most want to see in the world. Ask yourself the question, what is it that I hate in the world when I encounter it? And for part of your homework there on your outline, I've listed 12 questions that you can ask yourself this weekend to help you identify what you may be passionate about. So letter S, spiritual gifts, letter A for heart. Let's take a look at A for abilities. I love this little story out of Exodus. God is talking to Moses. Exodus 31 verses 1 through 5 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezael, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He's a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is the master at every craft. And he could have put, and I'm going to make a Jared in the future. And he's not going to have any of that <laughs> at all in any way, shape, or form. It's a good thing his wife loves him. Yeah. Some of you are amazingly crafty in this sense. Bruce Jackson, you make gorgeous items out of hardwoods, especially burls. Yesterday, I was signing a wedding certificate. I was using a pen that was carved, that was made out of beautiful wood. I have a, I have a coffee mug that's made out of one of those. Uh, earlier service, Mike True was there. Uh, Mike, we asked Mike to, <laughs> to make some cabots for the usher's room. How many of you have been in the usher's room? 
Yeah, good for you, not many of you. You're not supposed to be in the usher's room unless you're an <laughs> usher. I don't even go in the usher's room. I, where's the usher's room? He put cabinets in the usher's room that are works of art. They should be on the platform. You should come up afterward and you know, read the little art gallery thing. We need to, Brad, we need to have one of those little light. They're gorgeous things. They're hidden away in an usher's room. Just a master craftsman. So many of you have those abilities. Here's the deal about passionate. Abilities are the things that you're naturally good at. God gives us the abilities to do some things well. He gives these talents to you with your purpose in mind. These abilities may also be acquired or they may be learned skills. They include things like analyzing. Some of you good at analyzing? Some of you are professional analysts. Yeah. How about uh, coaching or consulting? Yeah. Are some of you good at caring? No? Well, that explains a lot. I don't really either. No. <laughs> I have a friend who took the emotional quotient inventory. He's the leader of many, many leaders. He has no empathy at all. <laughs> and he saw the results and he said, I get that, but I don't care. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> Talking about good and godly things, no doubt. Yeah. Well, your abilities in some cases show up pretty early in life. Uh, you've never heard this story. Uh, in the first grade at Holly Elementary School outside of Sweet Home, Oregon, I was kind of a big deal. Yeah. I, I hate to be braggadocious, but sometimes the facts just speak for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I, as a first grader, beat the snot out of third grade bullies. <laughs> Don't you know? Yeah. It's a sad thing in this good talk that that's the first thing you found to applaud. Yeah. Here's the deal for us. God will use your abilities if you surrender them to his will. That's the condition. You may think that your abilities really are to about producing money and planning well for your future and being a good steward of your resources to create a good life for those that you love. By the way, some of you need to have more passion about earning money. You should probably earn more. And there are some people, because the Bible says pay your bills and have some left over to be generous. And some of you are just flat out good at earning money, and you should accept that as a gift. I have an acquaintance. He's a friend of a good friend who, when he was graduating from college, said to his friends, all Christ followers, I'm not good at that much, but I'm really good at making money. So I'm going to invest my life in making a ton of it. And then my dream is to fully sponsor missionaries on every inhabited continent. And he did, and he does. Hmm. Your passions and interests, when surrendered to God, are a powerful part of how he has created and shaped you for his purposes. Pretty cool. On your handouts, you'll notice that I've listed over 50 alphabetized 
ideas of abilities that you might find yourself in there. You, maybe you find yourself excelling at decorating. Uh, yesterday, when I, when I walked into the lobby and I saw the decor on the bistro tables, I literally stopped and looked for a moment. I was just awestruck. They're very simple, but they're, they're just thematic and they're seasonally appropriate and they're just beautiful. And the day before, I dropped by for a moment and I noticed some of you, I see you right here. Now, uh, today, as you were in here and you were providing that, it's fantastic. Designing, helping Brad with platform design, and Kim down in, in, in Surge, and landscaping, that huge need that we have here for our helpers, especially in the spring and the summer. And some of you are great at welcoming. And um, Ed, recently in, in one of the stories, and I, I, I think, Dave, uh, it was your story. You talked about it the first day that you were here, and you met Ed. Ed, you have this wonderful gift of welcoming people. We're, we're better for you saying hello to us on the, the way in. There's something that happens to us, and, and there's greeting, and there's writing. Man, we need for some of you to help us write some stuff for the, for the new website. Yeah, abilities, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, letter P, personality. The Bible clearly shows that God uses people with different personalities. Notice what I wrote there for your benefit to take home. Your personality refers to your character and temperament and accounts for how you relate with others and respond to opportunities. So whether you're introverted or extroverted or self-expressive or self-controlled or cooperative or competitive or a solo or a team player, these are all factors in how God has wired you, and these parts of your personality are keys to your design and how you will express your God-given purpose. So here's the two big questions to ask yourself this week as you're thinking through. First one, how am I energized? The second question is, how am I organized? Some of you would say, not at all. I know, I know. How are you energized and how are you organized? Now, some of you are abstract thinkers. You drive mechanical linear thinkers crazy. Some of you are engineers. Some of you are computer geniuses. Some of you are hospitality gurus. Some of you are fantastic cooks, which is spectacular because I have a complimentary gift of eating. It's a beautiful thing. All together in this thing, yeah. Your evergreen staff uh, uses assessments to kind of uh, help us with self-discovery and, and to help us understand each other. Uh, you're likely familiar with some of our favorites, the DISC profile, the Myers-Briggs temperament indicator, the StrengthsFinders 2.0, the emotional intelligence indicator, the, the EQI, all helpful in helping us discover how God wired and designed us. Shortly after our wedding at age 23, many of you know that we started a church and uh, a great thing about, there's two great things about starting a church when you're 23. The first thing is when you start a new church, it collects all kinds of people. Some of them are gems and some of them are lint. Yeah. But it is quite a diverse group. You know, there may be 50 people there, but nobody is the same. The second wonderful thing about starting a church at 23, at least for us, was we didn't know anything. So you, you kind of go through this mess all together with a bunch of other people that don't know anything. And Really, some very, very interesting things take place, yeah. And also, there's some self-discovery that happens. It was a pretty busy time for us. Uh, we both had full-time jobs in addition to the church. The church grew quickly, uh, and, but we wanted to keep our jobs. So 
I had 40 hours a week plus in an insurance agency and had 40 hours a week plus. Then we managed an apartment complex, so we were on call 24-7. Then we did the church thing with services on Sunday mornings, sometimes Sunday evenings and Wednesday nights. And then there were a lot of very early morning and very late evening meetings with folks. And then, of course, church people uh, you know, had no sense of boundaries either. So all of this is to say that I lived life with a lot of people. Other than evergreen church people, you guys are like spot on all the time, spot, spot on, yeah. So I started getting people overload, and I stopped liking people, which I've been told is not occupationally consistent with being a pastor. I knew this was not a sustainable state of being. And then, of course, I felt guilty for feeling guilty about not liking people. It was quite a downward spiral, and how do you sort through this? That's when Anne and I, for the first time, took the Myers-Briggs temperament inventory, and I discovered that I am an introvert related, that is married to an extrovert. And all of a sudden, it made sense for me that, you know, Anne had a little higher people quotient than I did, and that if I was actually going to not only like people, but occasionally love them too, that I probably needed to re-energize myself with some solitude from time to time. Great discovery about personality. And I stopped having the false guilt of feeling bad about feeling stressed. I had a way to cooperate with how God had wired me. It's what you discover when you take some time to think about your personality. So let's move it toward the last one. We've had spiritual gifts and heart, abilities and personality, and finally in shape, experience. Notice what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received by God. Hmm. In the first service, Sharon sat next to Anne and me on the front row today. Uh, Sharon's husband, Bob, uh, lost his life drowning while fishing just a few weeks ago. Anne and I have uh, been spending time with Sharon and meeting with her. Wonderful celebration of life for Bob. Many of you are friends and knew them. Um, Anne and I stay in touch. and We call and check in. Asked her to sit with us today. But you know, the reality is, Anne and I have never lost the love of our life. So as much heart as we can bring for Sharon and as much compassion, we really can't empathize into her experience. We can appreciate how horrific her loss is, but we can't live into that with her but some of you can. It's a beautiful thing over the last few weeks to see friends, some of whom have lost the love of their life through death or divorce, engaging with Sharon because there's not just a street cred that comes from having been there, but there is a God gift that comes from having been there. Paul says it this way. Some of you are going through trouble. And instead of praying, and my prayer is that God would fix the problem, 
He says, I want to define what God is doing in your trouble. He's giving you comfort and compassion. And part of what he's doing is he's preparing and equipping you because you're going to have a friend who's in trouble. And when your friend is in trouble, she may not need your help in fixing it. She may not even need your prayer for God to take it away. She may need for you to come and to sit with her and to bring the comfort that comes from a God of comfort who has been there for you as well. That a powerful thing. Hmm. Experiences. Six uh, kinds of experiences for you to reflect on this week. That, As you examine these, you'll see that God has used likely each of these to help mold and shape you. Family experiences, educational experiences, vocational, spiritual, service, and then some of those painful experiences as well. I want you to notice as we conclude that while God allows us to go through painful experiences, and part of what he does with those is equips us to be of service to others, please understand that God does not cause most painful experiences. Here's the deal. Most painful experiences are not God sent, but his promise is that they will all be God used for his purpose in your life. For God causes all things, God-sponsored or not, to work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to, here's our word, his purposes. Paul wrote from prison, in fact, what happened to me has advanced the gospel. Woohoo! I'm in jail. <laughs> he did not say, God put me in jail. But my circumstances have been used in a way to continue the purposes of God in my life. God takes our brokenness our experience, and uses it not only to bring healing and comfort to our lives, but to equip us to bring healing and comfort and benefit to those as well. So that at the end, when we have a little better refined focus on who God has made you and your purpose in life and spiritual gifts and your heart and passion and your abilities and your personality and the experiences that have been used to shape you, that you can join the writer to the Hebrews who wrote these words. Well, the next one's actually, but these words. Yeah. Really fun. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to ask all of you, as our prayer together, read it out loud in just a moment. I'll go first. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Let's read together. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. God, would you help us this week become more aware of your spiritual gifts within us? Some of those have gone down in flame. Would you fan the flame and make them bright and help us have the courage to risk again? Would you, God, let us trust the passions that you put in our heart without placing those on others? Would you give us insight, Lord, in how uh, you have given us abilities and our appreciation and building skills around those 
Would you, God, help us understand the personalities that you've wired with even better? And Lord, would you help us appreciate, as we reflect on our experiences, how beautifully you're weaving the good, the bad, and even the ugly together toward your purposes. Lord, cause us to be equipped to be of service to you and others is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.